HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my crew guests. My guest today is Isao Yoshimura, who is a private chef based in New York. Isao grew up in the countryside of Japan and came to New York in 1996 and jumped into the restaurant industry when authentic Japanese restaurants were much fewer than now. And his approach to Japanese cuisine is traditional, but his work reflects his free creative mindset to adapt to wherever he is. For example, he fishes and grows produce by himself to achieve the best taste and flavors he wants to offer to his clients. So today we'll discuss how a young man from Japan became a private chef um, in New York and his unique philosophy of cooking authentic Japanese food, the joy and challenges in his life as a private chef in America, and much, much more. But before you start, Japan Needs is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please write a review. We truly appreciate your feedback. Also, I have a quick announcement. So as you may know, a major earthquake struck Japan's Noto Peninsula in Ishikawa Prefecture on January 1st. The death toll keeps climbing, and the damages to the beautiful region is tremendous. And importantly, 10 out of the 11 sake breweries in the Noto Peninsula were completely or partially destroyed. So if you can, please donate through reliable organizations, including the Japanese Red Cross, the U.S. Japan Foundation, and Ishikawa Sake Brewers Association. And I put the links to these organizations in the show notes. Now, let's start a conversation with Isao Yoshimura. Hello, Isao-san. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me for the show. 
Yeah. So this is very exciting. So you're such a unique figure and we discussed everything about who you are. <laughs> so first of all, <laughs> to get to know you, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? All right. I'm, I'm grew up. I'm, I, I was born in the Kumamoto prefecture, always the west side of Japan. Um, always very famous of the horse meat, horse sashimi. It's like Japanese, very strange culture, but I grew up at there and I eat horse meat and rice. Mm, right. Well, my father was from Kumamoto and I know the culture. It's really, um, it's kind of very different from Tokyo. It's more relaxed, but also uh, people known for a uh, very stubborn mindset. And uh, yeah, my everybody says I, I'm, I had a lot of Kumamoto blood in my blood. <laughs> so anyway, so, so how did you get into cooking? Uh, again, I was in the student at the university. I was working at some um, Japanese cuisine, so like almost living in the Japanese cuisine, like a yakitori or tempura restaurant. Um, for the two, three months of work there, and I'm crazy onto the cooking by myself. Mm, right. But then uh, I heard um, at the age of 19, uh, you were at uh, university uh, studying for. I think economics, and then uh, you got a first job in the restaurant. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, right. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. and then when and why did you move to the U.S.? Yes, and um, in Japan, it's common to start full-time job immediately graduating from university. But um, I couldn't decide this to work for some reason. Then my second cousin introduced me to opportunity to work at the New York. But it, mm. um, the business title is accounting because I'm graduating the economics university. But I really love the cooking. So I'm starting to move to New York to like uh, add the chef. Mm. Right. Well, that's a, such a dramatic change from accounting to <laughs> <laughs> cooking. So, right. Right. so, but then that was in 1996. And um, so how, how did you start your career as a chef in New York? Okay. Uh, actually, I, I'm, um, I moved down to New York on 1997. So the oh. article is a little different, but actually 1997. Mm. Okay, right. So I, I got an amazing feature of yourself uh, in American publication. And it was, yeah, sort of my mistake. It was 1997. And then you worked at uh, the restaurant East in Manhattan? Yes. Right. Yes. So what is the concept of East Restaurant? And because it's an, it was near Carnegie Hall. Uh, unfortunately, it's gone now, but mm-hmm. um, it was one of the most kind of legendary Japanese restaurants back then, right? Yeah, I think so. That uh, They opened at the like, uh, middle of the 80s in New York. So when I was working at the restaurant, there's still um, any fish and ingredient is not too fresh. Oh, that generation. So I was running at the um, sushi technique and then recipe from the East restaurant. 
a very authentic Japanese izakaya style restaurant. So I learned how to cooking, how to make a sushi, blah, blah, blah. However, from the oldest chef in the restaurant, he's very legendary chef from Japan. So I learned from him like a sushi philosophy. It's not technique, any uh, recipe. Just I learned from uh, him you know, the philosophy. Mm. So what was the philosophy? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So like um, um, he doing like an Edomai style sushi chef. So he could, um, he did like a lot of technique for the food, but still ingredient is not too fresh. But many customers are happy to eat his sushi because his personality makes more like flavor on the fish, like magic. Mm. So that's I learned how to, you know, like an entertainment entertainment thing like a sushi chef so i was mm-hmm. running from him right so uh it's very hard to imagine back then 1997 um it's uh well they we see so many authentic um michelin star sushi restaurants and japanese food restaurants but but then it's a uh, people would think japanese restaurant can be one of the asian restaurants and it's very hard to convince diners what they're eating and sounds like your chef uh master chef it's the mr yachi he probably had to deal with you know unavailability of the premium ingredients like um, fresh fish uh, fish seafood which is now easily available um but then he had to deal with uh customers who are not familiar with japanese food so sounds like it's like a boot camp for you to be not just a cooking japanese Cuisine, but also you have to um, educate people about what they are eating and also explaining ingredients and all those things. Sounds like that's what you're still doing uh, in your business as a private chef, I think. Right. Okay. So, and then you, um, what do you think, um, you know, the location of Carnegie Hall uh, neighborhood, uh, did you learn something from uh, working at the East, uh, is it a very specific midtown um, restaurant management learning lessons or something like that? Did you have any specific lessons outside of the philosophy from Mr. Yagi? I learned a lot of sushi technique and recipe, the other chef too. Mm. So, okay. yeah, but um, yeah, especially the, the Yachi teaching me, actually, he. Um, had a surgery on the throat cancer, so he lost his voice. And I was working with Mexican people too, but he couldn't read any English you know, character. So I was working at also technique, but how to work, you know, with disability and you know, so many like a tough days. But I learned how to work with him, how to work with my coworkers, how to respect people. So mostly I'm really learning from him and also the so many customers teaching me to you know, mm. surviving with the restaurant. Right. Well it sounds like those are the things you never have learned if you were working in Japan mm. as a chef. So it's such an interesting experience and I I think the whole thing became the foundation of what you do now successfully. So 
Uh, we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll dive into Isel's intriguing and fascinating life as a private chef in America. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on HRN, Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Aki Katayama. My guest today is Isao Yoshimura, who is a private chef based in New York. He has been cooking Japanese food for a broad audience in New York since 1997. So you worked at East for 15 years uh, until uh, 2011. Then they decided to work in Hamptons uh, in New York, uh, which is on East Long Island, Southport, New York. So why did you decide to move on to the Hamptons and where? Uh, where have you worked in Hamptons after you left East? Okay, I moved to, um, I started to work at the Hamptons in 2011. We started our、um, own restaurant, I mean, with a partner,、uh, Banzai Burger. It's like a hamburger shop and a bar, restaurant, and sushi bar. Okay, and then what do you think that after working for East Restaurant? For 15 years, you、yeah. think you kind of graduated and you learned everything and you move on. <laughs> It was your time to do your own、mm-hmm. business.、Right. Yes,、um, we opened the,、um, the burger restaurant in Napik Street, really、um, in front of the ocean side. And also, we, I, I was working at the Garnies Inn, it's a very largest hotel in Montauk. So, I opened my own sushi bar for during. Only one season, the summer 2013. So,、um, you had、uh, the Banzai Burger restaurant with your partner, but then you had a sushi section、uh, in the burger restaurant. And also, you had your own、uh, place, sushi bar, at the hotel, local hotel in Hamptons, where、uh, a lot of wealthy households and celebrities、uh, exist. So, how,、um, I would imagine the sushi was becoming even more popular. In the Hamptons, and did you feel the sushi was、uh, more demanded in the Hamptons?、Uh, yes, I really think I、um, realize the sushi culture in the Hamptons, the countryside, it's getting popular now. But I was moved there, not so many people operating with the sushi. So many、mm. people、um, really. Told me to thankful to open the sushi bar, even in the hamburger bar restaurant. So many、mm. local people visited us,、um, Banzai Burger, to enjoy my sushi and the freshest fish from the Montauk local fish. And 
yeah, that people still like Right. Probably um, it would have been uh, impossible to think when you moved to New York in 1997 that American people want to have sushi at the American burger restaurant. So I think uh, what you've done and really represent how Japanese um, food culture and sushi culture became a part of American culture, uh, which is very exciting to me anyways. So, and uh, has the palette of your clients shifted over the years since you moved to Hamptons in 2011? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so now it's a lot of omakase, really high-end restaurant opened in New York City, so many are uh, really, uh, but people, it's not too big change in the Hamptons. So people still like, they have the food, Japanese food, when they grow up as the childhood. They still remember the tempura, yakitori, and like a California roll or something like authentic American sushi. So they remember that. So um, people are trying to something, the new things, new item, like a new sushi. And I bring to my sushi from New York City to Hampton. So now I'm, I think they don't not too big change, but they know uh, knowledge a lot. So which is more best sushi? Mm. So I have a little pressure of to making sushi for them because people have get more knowledge. Right. So right. you have to keep trying. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm still keep trying. To. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the number of makase bars, uh, sushi makase bars in Manhattan and other and the city areas of New York really dramatically, and the prices are going up too. So, yeah, I understand the clients, in, your clients in Hamptons probably know uh, a lot about those high-end sushi bar quality. So, yeah, I understand that you, it must be very challenging for you, but you're still very popular. I'm sure you do very well <laughs> for your mm-hmm. clients. Um, but, um, you know, uh, like you just mentioned, you, you know, the, the fresh fish from Long Island. And I heard that you often fish for the dishes you prepare at private dinner parties and events for your clients. And, but again, now uh, you can get fresh fish, much better quality than back in 1997 in New York City. The distribution of fish, seafood in general, uh, is really much better than 20, 30 years ago. But you still fish, and you can buy fish. It's it's not easy to fish, but why do you fish by yourself? Yeah, that's a good good question. That's a good point. So I can get a really good fish from a fishmonger from New York. They have um, imported fish from Japan by the same day. But many people know that the really good fishing place in the Montauk and we can catch a lot of freshest fish. And also I can take any process from catching the fish to the table. Very trustable, very fresh, freshest fish. And yeah, people like it. That's why I'm, um, I'm going to fish, keep going to the fishing. And if I have the chance to serving to the plate, to the table, I bring to the, you know, the ocean to table my fish. So that's my really my philosophy and my concept of my catering. Mm, right. So where I mean in East Hamptons you can just fish and then 
Uh, good morning, talk and fish. And what kind of fish uh, can you catch in that area? Mm-hmm. So, in the、uh, depending on the season, what we can catch. So, twice in the year, springtime and autumn, we can catch the squid fishing at, from the dock or from the marina. And the summertime, we、um, we going to the fishing, to tuna fishing, and the mahi mahi, fluke, stripers. There are so many different kinds of the fish around the mountain. It's really a big fishing area in the United States. Mm, interesting. So,、um, without buying fish、uh, from major distributor or buying Toyos- from Toyos Market, you can just get the regular items for your clients by、uh, yes, fishing? It,、uh, yes.、Um, mostly I buy the fish from the fish company, from Toyos and also local fish. So, just、mm. if, I, if I catch the fish that time, To before the party, or sometimes my client cat, catch fish by themselves, then call me to,、oh, hey, Isao, I catch the very, very big fish. Can you come to my house to cooking? Or <laughs> something like that. So, still, people want to fresh fish on the table. Hey, oh, that's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really fun event.、So. Hey, oh, wow. And、uh, so, um, I heard that you also not only fish but also、uh, grow produce at your friend's farm in Maryland. So tell us about the farm and、uh, who your friends are, and could you tell us what kinds of produce you grow at the farm? Yeah, my friend has a huge land farm at Maryland.、Um, they grew not only produce, they have a lot of pigs, sheep, and the chicken. But also, they grew up um, grew, um, like a seasonal vegetable, like a, you know, tomato, carrot, cucumbers, and celery, lettuce,、um, any seasonal vegetable. Also,、mm. I'm planting like, a Japanese ginger, so we call it myoga. It's a very rare, rare vegetable in the United States. I think people don't know about the myoga ginger. But I'm starting to grow the Myoga ginger at the farm because the Myoga ginger is really、um, interesting flavor and taste. That's why. Right. Yeah. So, Myoga,、uh, if you go to sushi restaurant, there's a red, beautiful red kind of,、uh, the kind of、uh, garnish. And that's, yeah, very、uh, really、refreshment、yeah. garnish. Yeah, it is.、Right. Yeah, I, I believe it helps your digestion and it's good for your health and all those. Health benefits as well. And、uh, so you、uh, work with your friends at the farm and also you plant Japanese vegetables, right? Yes. Okay, that's amazing. So, how, who are they? How, how do you, did you get to know them?、Um, so, my best friend is、um, I met him, him at the Hampton. So, his、oh. childhood friends married with the farmer, Farmer Nick. It's a Katukutin mountain farm. So, that the connection from the, all my fishing friends, my American, all the American friends, community. So, that I met him like eight years ago.、Mm, nice. Wow, it's a very、yeah. organic relationship.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs>、um, well, but you know, again, you can buy myoga or other、um, Japanese vegetables, but why do you grow your own vegetables,、uh, which takes a lot of time and labor? 
and care. Yeah, exactly. So we grow the seasonal vegetable. Yeah, but um, I'm just looking forward to the growing of the vegetable. Um, I'm I'm just having fun. <laughs> so eating what we grow with friends, um, cultivate is real happens, and then it's real. You know, this is real. So we can grow the vegetable. So we know the, how to grow and we process uh, how safe and how you know tasty. So everything I know that the story. So that's really having fun to do it. So that's mm-hmm. mostly the right. Yeah, I think uh, previously uh, when we had a chat, uh, you created uh, soap <laughs> from the <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, Pig, pig's lard, that's the fat, and the flowers um, when you're working with your friends at the farm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's a great lifestyle. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of envious when I first time spoke to you about what you do. So, um, well, this is kind of like um, I didn't ask you <laughs> previously, mm-hmm. but this lifestyle, is this something you were looking for, one of the reasons you stay in America? Because... I don't think it's easy to have this lifestyle in Japan or probably in other cities in the world. Yeah, the people told me, my, many of my friends told me the same thing, but um, it's, it's America's really huge. You can drive to the Hampton from New York City like two, three hours. Uh, I drove to the Maryland, my friend's farm, like four hours. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the driving to all the different world, different atmosphere, you know, the different people also, different, I mean, state. So I'm really enjoying to traveling myself to Hampton. I'm living in New Jersey, Manhattan, and Maryland. It's really kind of really fun life. Mm. Enjoying. Well, that's, my, that's why. I right. And you fish, you farm. Uh, you are in a vertical um food distribution system, you are, you're touching every part of it. And uh, you have worked with a wide variety of clients at East Restaurant, which is the city people. And then uh, you work with uh, wealthy um, clients. And yeah, I think so, yeah. Right. So, yeah, by the way, who are your clients um, in Hamptons? I mean, you um, don't have to name the names, but what kind of people? Uh, okay. Uh, okay, I had a two type of the clients, like a private, like a people, and also like a company working for the summer. Private golf club, um, like, like a catering company, I work for them, and also private clients. So mostly I have a private clients. Mm, right. Um, yeah, I'm sure uh, some of the listeners who are sushi chefs, Japanese or non-Japanese, but, you know, uh, seeing the demand being increased uh, for sushi, sushi chefs, um, it must be really nice to get to know how you work and your cool lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure uh, those uh, listeners probably wants to think about what they can do mm-hmm. by themselves. So I don't think it's easy, um, but... I think Hamptons, maybe seasonal, right? The demand is pretty seasonal for parties in Hamptons. Mm, it depends, actually, year by year. So I'm, I spread my client in the, from Manhattan to Hampton. So it's like all year long. So after the summer, it's going to start in like a wedding season. 
birthday people would still live there. And you know, so many events, different events around the all year long in the Hampton. Mm, so I'm still back and forth, yeah. Right. So you, you do have a place to live in Hamptons or you live in the city or how, how do you, your allocation <laughs> of your time and business? Yeah, it's really hard to find the place to live in the Hampton. So all my friends, community, helping my business, supporting my life. Um, I'm, I'm lucky to stay my friend's house to you know, stay for the whenever I can stay there. So, <laughs> mm, Right. That's nice. Well, that means you're a right, really nice person <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to stay with them. So, yeah, yeah I, I really, you know, like your personality really reflects um, mm-hmm. your free mindset, be gentle, very accepting. And I understand why um, you enjoy your uh, business because people like working with you. That's my impression. So speaking of, but what kind of um, s- style of sushi do you serve? Uh, is it traditional or creative? Um, considering, you know, uh, you fish, you grow plants, and you can be flexible, right, in yeah. designing your style of sushi. Yeah, that's um, sometimes I can do... Uh, like authentic, like a traditional sushi for my client. But um, what is a traditional Edomai style? Is it traditional? You think this Edomai style sushi is they catch the fish around the Tokyo Bay area and serving sushi. That's the Edomai style. So mm-hmm. my style is a localized New York style. So like a. Not Edomai, it's like a New York Mai, it's like a New York style sushi. It's not traditional, like a hybrid, I think. Mm. I am a hybrid sushi chef. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting, right? Because uh, yeah. Edomai, Edo is the name of Tokyo, and it used to be. But I think the idea of Edomai is, you know, piece of the little bowl of rice topped with local fish, which happened to be from the Tokyo Bay. But traditional mindset, I think the essence is you use the local uh, fish and then try to make the best taste out of it for someone you cook for. So in that sense, your sushi is very traditional. But do you add some garnish or, you know, some people add some cream cheese or like tomato or you just try to stick with what you learn from your um, mm. master? Yeah, so I learned the, like a sushi, it's like really um, creative sushi from the East restaurant. But um, if I I can make any cream cheese or something like an interesting ingredient for sushi from my client required, I can do it. Mm. Mm. But I I like to also avocado, the jalapeno, it's good for the garnish for sushi. This is mm. not traditional, but um, it's American traditional. Right. Well, I think uh, even traditional Japanese people cannot deny how avocado sushi is delicious. That's one of the like, really funny story. Is that just like you know, just talk. Um, I was working with my friend's restaurant, uh, like a Michelin star restaurant. They asked me to, hey Isao, can you tell me how to making the inside out roll? That's a very um, funny story for me. 
So Michelin star restaurant sushi chef is really creative and they're learning the authentic like, Japanese sushi style, but they don't know how to making the American style sushi. So I'm teaching them Michelin star chef how to making the American style sushi. <laughs> so really, <laughs> so really funny story for me. Okay. Right. Well, that's the inside out sushi uh, was born because American people couldn't handle the sticky texture of the nori seaweed. So by making it inside out, you don't have to go through that uh, texture, but you get the taste of umami from the nori seaweed. I thought it was really genius. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Japanese people can learn a lot about the creative mindset of uh, sushi or anything from outside. And that's a really fascinating thing, right? Because People have different demands, and uh, if you get stuck in tradition, you probably miss out a lot of things. So I think um, that kind of exposure, your communication with Mission Star American Chef might lead to something to inspire Japanese tradition, which is very exciting. Being a Japanese chef who cooks Japanese food for the American audience, um, what is the joy of your work? I mean, if you compare um, cooking in other places, other audiences, Japanese people, uh, you are cooking for American, the American audience. So what is the point of working in America as a private chef? Yeah. Mm. It seems that in the past, as a Japanese chef, uh, I was pushing the Japanese culture onto the America. But I realized it's not re- true, it's wrong. So now we live in that the, era where you can even find the sushi in the rural local grocery store. Anybody can get the sushi in the America. So sushi is born to like from Japan. But now sushi is changed to like very like not only Japanese. You know, we can sharing the sushi culture all over the world. So now uh, people know about the sushi by the YouTube or social network service. So people really know about the sushi. So now I'm enjoying talking about the sushi culture, sushi ingredient, uh, or Japanese food with my client. It's really enjoying. It's fun. Mm, right. And also, um, also I'm teaching yeah. the how to making the sushi for my client kids. Oh. <laughs> so wow. that really, <laughs> it's really fun, my event. One of my oh, so you have you uh, hold classes for children? Mm, if my client asking me to, you know, they have the kids, so um, they really enjoying my kitchen, my party too. Then, oh, can you? Oh, do you want to making the own sushi roll? I'm asking to the kids. I'm they really happy to do it. Mm, right, I think that's amazing and that's very inspiring. And uh, maybe you are producing future chef. Sushi chef in America. <laughs> I wish. Hey, so what is the biggest challenge of being a Japanese private chef in America, on the other hand? That I think that I believe that going to the trust of clients is the most important thing because I have no background right now. So I'm, I'm using the kitchen, so my client kitchen in the Hamptons and New York City, but how people trust me, it's very, very difficult to get the trust from my client. So I did the 
every my single work, I'm really concentrated to the, my customers. What can I do? So I'm just step by step, little by little. So I get the um, trust from my client. And mm. also, I'm establishing my LLC, very small company, and I put the business insurance for my, my job. So people trust me to, you know, as the private chef. Mm. So how uh, do you uh, get the job? People refer you, we were referred by the previous clients, and somebody recommends, uh, here's Isao, he's a great sushi chef or a great Japanese food chef. So that's how you get your clients? Yes, it is. Mostly people talking and just because I have no advertisement for like over 10 years, my business. Just people mm. only for that people's recommendation. So, yeah. Oh, that's convincing. You've been very successful and gaining <laughs> trust. So. Sure, I'm still surviving this. You know. Right, but the audio, audio lifestyle, you know, the life is... You know, how do you choose your lifestyle, right? Everybody has yeah. a decision. You could have kept working for a restaurant, which you decided not to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, I think it's what you're doing is very cool. I'm sure it's very challenging, but it is very inspiring for whoever makes Japanese food in this country and especially on your own. And uh, you're kind of um, cultivating uh, the client in the local area and also the future client called children who enjoy your sushi as well. So that's exciting. Um, so what are your plans and dreams? Mm, yeah, I have the two plan. My dream is about as the chef and also about like a fisherman. So remind us by fisherman. I'm not traveling to the all over the world and fishing and creating sushi everywhere. So that's one of my dreams. Mm. And another dream is about the chef. Um, I, of course, I always have the dream of the opening my own place. Uh, however, my concept is more like, like a Blue Hill Farm, as you know. It's like a farm-to-table concept. So this is my another dream plan. So this is uh, the currency is a progress. Mm, right. Well, I think it's uh, viable and it's possible. So the uh, listeners who are familiar with Blue Hill Farm. So it's uh, the Blue Hill Farm at Stonebarns uh, Agricultural Center for Education, mm-hmm. uh, educating people about the importance of agriculture, uh, originally founded by Rockefeller Center. And uh, so the restaurant resides in uh, the, the Rockefeller Center's agricultural educational facilities. And uh, of course, the Dan Barber is the chef, visionary uh, human being, and he grows everything sustainably and inspires, works with uh, uh, seed breeders and all those things ahead of time. But um, so you're doing, uh, you're, of course, doing the whole uh, from farm to table, <laughs> you fish from seat <laughs> to table as well. So it's exciting. And I, I think maybe you can open uh, your own restaurant somewhere in the world, not just uh, in America. So do you have any location you want to go to open a restaurant by fishing? And mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to do at the Hampton, also the Maryland at my friend's farm. But I don't need any restaurant in the farm. 
at the farm because we can do the farm camp and farm workshop from own ingredients. Um, yeah, that's only I want to do the restaurant at the Hampton. Yeah, we have a space in the farm. So mm, nice. Okay, yeah. well, keep me posted, and if you open it, um, you can come back and discuss <laughs> it. That'd be really a lot of fun. Right. Okay. So where can we find your updates online and on social media? Uh, I have the only account on the Instagram. Okay. So it's, what's the handle? Um, at Isao underbar sushi underbar. All right. So it's Isao underscore sushi underscore. And also, I, I will let you know that my friend's farm Instagram account. Okay. Um, it's a Katsukutin Mountain Farm. Okay. C-A-T-C-T-I-N Mountain mm-hmm. Farm. Farm. In, on Instagram. In, yeah. Right. Yes. So, right. That's your Maryland uh, farm, yeah. right? And also, right. many people contact me about the event for, to my email address. Just a chefisao at gmail.com. Okay. Great. All right. So, well, uh, definitely keep me posted. And uh, I hope your dream, plans and dreams come true. And uh, we can uh, talk about it and thank dream you, together. Right. Yep. All right. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today, Sal. All right. Thank you for it. Listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at chupanis at heritageradionetwork.org or akikotema.com. Japanese is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Engineer today is Liam Werner, and thanks for listening. I will see you next week. This episode of Japanese was made possible with the support of Dasai. Dasai supports HRN's creative, educational reporting, and storytelling that drives conversations to empower, educate, and entertain through food-focused podcasts and world-class education programs. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.